Hello, Valley family. It is great to be here with all of you wonderful people today. My name is Stephen Francis, and I am excited to be here as we are kicking off a new series called Boundaries. As always, I want to shout out the Poughkeepsie campus. Love you guys. Thank you guys for being here today. And also a big shout out to all the people watching online. Please be sure to let us know where you're watching from. We always love to thank you uh, with the text as a way of letting you know that you are part of this Valley family as well. Guys, this series, I'm going to be honest with you is going to be what I believe one of the most challenging, but also the most freeing series that you are going to hear. You're going to be challenged, but if you follow what you hear in the series, you may find yourself in places you never thought you would because you followed what the Word of God has to say about this issue when it comes to boundaries. And you know, I was trying to think of the best way that I can kind of describe boundaries to you. And Something actually happened recently that, that did just that. You know, I'm somebody uh, that constantly struggles with finding things. I lose my keys all the time. I can't find my wallet. I can't find my phone. I'm constantly losing things. It is hard for me to find stuff. And that's not just with those type of items. The other day, actually, my wife told me that she needed me to go to the store to pick up some stuff for dinner after work. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a pastor, but I'm going to be vulnerable with you. I was already on strike two when it came to my wife asking me to go pick stuff up from the store. And I either came back with not the item at all or something completely opposite of what she asked me to bring. So I knew that I needed to bring back the right thing. And I sense some judgment right now while I'm up here. And I'm going to let you know there's no way I'm the only husband that has messed up with an errand like that. All right. That's all I'm saying. Either way, she said that she wanted some items, and I went to Walmart in order to get some of the items. And one of the items that was on her list was strawberries. And I said, okay, that's not a problem. So I go to the produce section of Walmart, and I'm looking for strawberries. But for whatever reason, I can't find the strawberries. I find cranberries. I find raspberries. I find blueberries. I even found a blackberry foam. But I cannot find the strawberries for the life of me. Eventually, I said, you know what, I'm just going to ask for help. And I don't know what it is about Walmart and some other stores that are like it. Why is it every time when I look for help, suddenly all of the workers are just gone? I just can't find anybody that can help answer this question that I have, help me find what I'm looking for. But eventually, I do find somebody that works there, and I ask them, hey, can you point to me where the strawberries are? And they just simply look at me, and they say, uh... We don't sell strawberries, actually. And I was like, huh, you sell every berry but strawberries here. And he was like, yep, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's just, that's just how we do here. And I said, okay. I go home, and I experience strike three of coming back with the things that my wife did not ask me for. I give her the stuff, and she's like, where are the strawberries? And I says, well, believe it or not, Walmart doesn't sell strawberries. And even though that's what the guy told me that worked there, I also admit that I sound very stupid saying that. My wife goes to Walmart the next day, and sure enough, she finds the strawberries, an entire section of strawberries. And I have not been sent on one of those errands ever again. 
all right? But either way, I struggle finding things. And I know I'm not the only one in here. Many of you guys struggle with a lot of different things. Maybe you're hoping to find a date for Valentine's Day and it's hard to find a date to, for Valentine's Day. Maybe you're somebody where you want, need a babysitter and it's hard to find a babysitter. There's all types of things and there's all types of people that are hard to find. But there is one thing in my life that I've never had difficulty finding. In fact, I believe often that this particular thing finds me. And the thing that is so difficult for me to avoid, the thing that I constantly always find, even though I don't want to, is difficult people. Am I the only one in here? Raise your hand in here right now, here, Poughkeepsie, even online, if you have a difficult person in your life. Show of hands in here. In fact, some of you, I can see by your faces, not only do you know a difficult person, but you're basically telling me with your eyes that you are sitting next to the difficult person. You dropped off the difficult person at Valley Kids before you came in. You got to see the difficult person when you get home from church today. You got to see that difficult person when you go to work tomorrow. All of us in our lives have difficult people. And since that's unavoidable, we also need to ask ourselves, how do we love these people? Because God has called us to love our neighbor, even the difficult ones. That's what this series, Boundaries, is all about. That's what we want you to be a part of these next four weeks. I just want to give you a quick preview of what we're talking about. Next week, we're going to be talking about how do you love a critical person? How do you deal with somebody that is oftentimes always negative, always has something bad to say about the things that you're doing? Even if you're doing good things in your life, they always seem to find the negative element of it. The week after that, we're going to be talking about how do we deal with needy people? How do you love the individual where it seems like no matter how much time you give them, no matter how much finances you, you send their way, they're always in need of more. They're always in another desperate situation, and they need you to bail them out. And then the last week of our series, we're going to be talking about how do you deal with hypocritical people? How do you love those individuals where they say one thing, but they do the exact opposite, and it leaves you frustrated? Shoot, I know that's a big issue with many people when it comes to the church. So we want you to be here for all of these messages, but I'm so grateful that you're here today because today we're talking about controlling people. Now, one more time by show of hands, how many of you have someone in your life where you believe that they can be a control freak? Raise your hand. Now, some of you guys try to raise your hand right now, but I literally saw the person next to you say, keep your hand down or physically pull your hand down. All right. If you're if you're that individual, you don't have to say it. I know you are someone that deals with a control freak. And here's the thing about that. And all all jokes aside, many of us have been hurt by someone that was controlling. Many of us know what it's like to have an authority figure that abuses their power on somebody in order to get their way. But oftentimes, the people that are controlling in our lives, they are not necessarily malicious. In fact, they're people that we love. They're people that, that love us. But maybe because of a hurt that they've experienced in their life, an insecurity that they're dealing with, a fear that they have, they do everything in their power to try to control what it is you do with your life. And here are the, Compton, the common symptoms of individuals that may be dealing with some type of control uh, issues. Often you can tell when someone has a control problem when not only do they want things a specific way, but often if they don't get their way, they're prone to pouting. 
They'll whine a lot. They'll complain. They'll threaten. They'll give you the silent treatment for a period of time. They may even explode on you emotionally. And it leaves everyone around them feeling like they have to walk on eggshells when it comes to particular things. See, if we're going to talk about how do we love controlling people with boundaries, then it's important that we also understand the weapons of someone that's controlling. The controller's two greatest weapons are this, threats and guilt. Threats and guilt. Now, threats usually come in a specific way. Sometimes they're very clearly said. Sometimes they're more implied. But either way, the idea of someone that is threatening you, their idea is that you better do what it is that you want them to do or you're going to regret it. You better perform to the task level that they've asked you to perform to or you will be punished. Sometimes you'll see this in a dating relationship where the person you're dating may put pressure on you to do things that you don't want them to do, be places you don't want them to be. And they may say, if you don't do it, then I'm going to break up with you. If you don't do this, I'm going to do this to you. Sometimes I've even experienced certain people where they say, listen, if you break up with me, I'll hurt myself. That is controlling. We've also seen toxic areas where bosses will use their control and manipulation to get people to do what they want. Otherwise, that person can get demoted or, 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 or even lose their job entirely. And then oftentimes we see this in marriages as well, where someone will threaten with divorce or they'll say they'll take the kids away. Very toxic uh, communication that's happening to get someone to do what it is that they want. But that's how threats usually work. And again, that leaves people on eggshells, walking on eggshells. But then there's also types of guilt. And this is something that many times people will say, you know, after all I've done for you, how come you just won't do this one thing for me? Hey, I thought we were friends. You were supposed to look out for me. You're supposed to be there for me. Hey, you're supposed to be a Christian, aren't you? Isn't this the loving thing for Christians to do? They will guilt you into those things. Oftentimes we experience guilt a lot from family members. My grandmothers, I love you so much, but they love to guilt me. Every time I call, it's like, you don't love me. You don't care because you don't call. I could be dead in my house for two weeks rotting in my house and Noah would know because you never call me and I'm like dang grandma you gonna put the pressure on me like that shoot but either way that is oftentimes the things that we feel from controlling people they will use threats and they will use guilt but here's the thing that I do want to make clear again That just because people are controlling, does that mean that they always have a malicious intent? In fact, there is a passage of scripture that deals with this very clearly in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 21, we see this encounter. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside. Now, I do want to stop here and mention this. It says Peter took him aside. This is a common tactic of controlling people. Isolation. They will put you in a place where no one is around and they will say things and they will imply things that will make you feel uncomfortable to get you to do their will. So that's something that we should be aware of. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. 
But we see this in verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life must lose it. I think these four verses are very powerful in helping us understand something about boundaries. And I want to break it down real quick for us so that we can best understand how to love people in these situations. The same way Jesus is showing love to Peter even in this way. The first thing that we need to understand is that we need to know what you are called to do. Calling is a term you hear in church often, but it simply means what the purpose that one has in life to fill. And Jesus knew what his calling was clearly. Not only did he know that he was supposed to be here to seek and to save the lost, but his calling was so clear. He knew who he wasn't here for. He knew the miracles he was supposed to be doing. He knew the miracles he was not supposed to be doing. He knew the lessons that he was supposed to be teaching as opposed to other lessons. Jesus was always so clear on what it is that God had placed him to do to seek and to save the lost even at the cost of dying on the cross for our sins. He was clear on that. And we need to be sure that we are also clear on what our calling is. And oftentimes when you hear calling, many times it sounds huge and and, and filled with just like gravitas. Like someone's saying, my calling in life is to be a missionary to Uganda. That's a powerful, that's a beautiful calling. Maybe someone's like, I am called to find a cure to cancer, something big, something great. And that's wonderful if that's something that you know. But for many people, we don't know our calling that specifically. But can I give you encouragement if you fit that category today that you may not know the big things that God has for your life. God is very clear on the things that God calls us to each and every day. If you're married in here, God has called you to love your spouse. If you're a parent in here, God has called you to raise your children, to lead your children. Maybe you're a student right now. Your calling right now, according to God's word, is to be the best student that you can be, to establish a foundation for what it is that God is calling you to next when he shows that to you. Maybe you don't know any of those things. You're not in any of those positions. Can I let you know this? That no matter what your marital status, no matter what your currently at in your education level, whatever your work status is, it does not matter. If you are a Christian in here, you're called to be a witness, to show the love of Jesus, to be an example of what Christ was like on earth and how he is living and moving in your life. That is your calling. And I know what my calling is. My calling is to love my wife, Jasmine, to even lay down my life for her. My calling is to raise up my son, Maddox, not just to provide for him, but to even be sure that he understands the will of God in his life as well. My calling is to be the best pastor that I can be here at Valley Christian Church. And that looks like right now being a campus pastor for the Poughkeepsie campus. Again, shout out to Poughkeepsie. That calling is leading groups. And by the way, uh, just a quick plug, today is the last day to sign up for groups. If you haven't already, please check the app, go to the info table after the service. 
Pros, but those are my callings. And because I know that, because those things are clear to me, those are the priorities in my life. But I also have a problem that sometimes interferes with my calling. And that's that I'm a people pleaser. I love making everyone happy. I love having a good time with every person that I encounter. And yes, I know that God loves me and has a plan for my life. But I also know that there are other people that love me and they have a plan for my life. And sometimes they look the same, but often they can contradict and derail me from what it is that God has ultimately called me to do. And when we are not sure on what our calling is, oftentimes we can allow other people to influence what it is that we want. Church, I need to be clear. I love all of you guys. I love what God has placed me to do, but I can't save everyone. I can't meet with everyone. I can't be everywhere, but I know God has called me, and I know that it is within my ability to love my wife, to raise our son, and also to be the best pastor here at Valley Christian Church that I can be. That is my calling, and I am clear on that. And it's important for us to understand that because if we do not know what our calling is, then someone else can manipulate it. Let me be honest. Let me be clear with you guys here. Do you know what the biggest common denominator when it comes to controlling people are? It doesn't matter what part of the world you're in. It doesn't matter the age of the person. Every controlling person has one thing in common. Someone that allows it. Someone that says yes to the controlling person's will. And we can know that, yes, the person that's trying to be controlling has a problem, but we are also part of the problem if we submit to those things. See, I love what Proverbs 25, 28 says. It says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, let me just break this down real quick. Many times when we hear the word self-control, the term self-control, we think of it in this way. Man, ah, I really want to eat this entire row of double-stuffed Oreos right now. I really want to. But I, I know I, I, I made a New Year's resolution that I was going to lose weight again. And this year, I'm going to commit to that. I'm not going to eat the entire row of double-stuffed Oreos. I'm only going to eat half the row. Self-control sometimes can be like, listen, I am getting so upset with this person at work. I'm getting sick and tired of them doing this stuff and saying these things. I am ready to just go off on this person. If this person even looks at me the wrong way, I am ready to go off. However, I really need this job and I do not want the cops getting called on me again. So I am going to exercise self-control to be sure that I keep my job and I don't go off on that person. Yes, that is self-control. That is a way for us to interpret this passage. But the deeper meaning here in the original language is actually way more profound. Because in this time period, it says it, it, 
a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Broken down walls is significant because at that time, they didn't have security. They didn't have an army back then. What oftentimes happened is if you lived in a particular city, they built a wall, a fortress around it with a gate that would let in good things and let out bad things. And that was considered a way of defense because other times there were warring nations, there were other tribes that maybe find out that you might have a good water supply or you have better resources that they do and they just get a bunch of their guys and show up and try to take over your city that was a form of defense let me make this clear if you are not clear on what your calling is if you do not have boundaries around what it is that God has called you to do then you make yourself susceptible for someone else to show up and tell you what it is you're supposed to be doing You may be trying to live according to God's calling, but if you don't know what that calling is, clearly someone else will sure make one up for you. And this brings me now to the second part of what happens here that we need to also understand is that we need to know when someone is trying to control you. Matthew 16, 22, it says again, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And I want us to just stop and process this for a moment. Is Peter a bad person? No. Did Peter have bad intentions? No. Peter, in this moment, is just trying to look out for someone that he cares for. Is trying to be the best friend that Jesus could have. The issue with that is despite his good intentions, it was contradicting what God had put on Jesus's life to fulfill. In fact, we see that Peter is not just a friend of Jesus, but Peter just verses ago was called by Jesus to do something incredible. In the previous verses of Matthew 16, Jesus is with his disciples and he starts this conversation. And he says, you know, there's a lot of rumors about who people think that I am. Have you guys heard any? And his disciples are like, yeah, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're just a great teacher. You know, there's, there's a lot of great ideas about who they say you are. And Jesus then says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And we see this in this verse, uh, starting at verse 15. But what about you? This is Jesus talking. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this, is, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And listen to this. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is so powerful for someone to hear from Jesus himself. And I could almost see Peter, knowing that this was the call that Jesus put on his life, talking to Jesus in this way. It's like, I'm not going to allow this. God has called me. God has put this on me. So I'm going to confront it. So can I give you some insight in here today, Valley Family, here, Poughkeepsie Online? 
that there are people that love you. There are people that care for you. There are people that God has even placed in your life for specific reasons, powerful reasons. But still, they can contradict what it is that God has put on your life to do. So we need to be sure that we know what our calling is and we need to be sure that no matter who that individual is, we know when someone is trying to control us, trying to take us out of the calling that God has given us. And this brings us to the third thing that we witness here in this passage that we need to know. We need to know when to draw a line in the sand. Matthew 16, 23 says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I just have to stop and just point something out real quick. This is why I love Jesus. Jesus is the definition of grace, of mercy, and love. But Jesus is also a savage. Because I don't know how many people have the ability to call someone Satan to their face. I love when Jesus, it says, Jesus turned and said to Peter. Jesus looked right in Peter's eyes and said, get behind me, Satan. No one else can get away with that. I've encountered people who I felt like were Satan, but I wasn't going to tell them to their face that they were Satan. In fact, if I could be honest, the only person I know that has ever gotten close to this is my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law loves to do this thing where anytime someone tells him bad news or they tell him to do something that he doesn't want to do, he'll straight up be like, not today, Satan. Not today. And then he walks off. That's his move every time. Not today, Satan. Not today. And then he just walks off. That's the only thing I can see myself ever getting away with. And listen, in all seriousness, you know, some of you guys might be dealing with some spiritual warfare. Some of you guys may be feeling like you're getting attacked and everything. Let me let you know that you have power and authority by the name of Jesus to tell the devil not today. Encourage your neighbor right now. Turn to your neighbor and let them know, tell him not today. All right. Tell him not today over your family. Tell him not today over your finances. Tell him not today over your workplace. Tell him not today over your mindset. Tell the devil not today, all right? And tomorrow looks pretty booked as well. I'm going to let the Pentecostal calm down. I'm getting a little bit too into it, this right now. But either way, we need to be sure that we know that. I'm not saying that any of us here, though, should say to someone that they're Satan. But I do believe Jesus is making a very clear statement. Peter, who loves Jesus, is telling Jesus what to do. And Peter, excuse me, Jesus very sternly tells Peter, you're not going to talk to me that way. You do not have the right to speak to me in that manner. In fact, the way that you're talking to me right now, that's not godly. Jesus in love, was able to confront somebody that way. And we need to be able to have the ability to do this. Because imagine with me just for one moment. What if in this moment Jesus actually was codependent? What if Jesus was a people pleaser like me? 
And Peter brought him to the side and said, Jesus, you shall never do this. I will not allow it. In fact, if you do this, I'm not going to be your disciple anymore. If you do this, I'm never going to speak to you again. If you do this, oh my gosh, I'm going to blow up. I'm going to be so mad. Do not do this. And Jesus is like, okay, okay, Peter, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to get you upset. Okay. I just felt like this was something that I should do. But if you feel this strongly about it, I just won't go. This was supposed to be for the salvation of the world, but for you, I'm not going to do it. What else do you want to do? You want to do something else? That sounds silly. But that's often our behavior. And what's very frightening even about that scenario is that if Jesus was a people pleaser like that, not only would Jesus be outside of God's calling, but people like you and people like me would have missed out on the opportunity for salvation in a relationship with the eternal father. And I don't believe that anybody in here have a calling on our life that rivals Jesus. Definitely not. But can I let you know that there are people that God has placed in your life that you are called to be an impact to, that you are called to leave, that you are called to love and be an influence on, that only you can and if you are being controlled by certain people, you may miss out on those opportunities to make that impact on the lives of those people. So it's important that we know what our calling is, that we're clear on that, that we see when someone is trying to interfere with the calling that God has given us, and that also that we make a stand, that we draw a line in the sand and we say, no, 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 not what you want, what God wants. And I know what God has called me to do, who God's called me to be. And I think this is important for us to understand. So, taking a quick breath here. What do we do? We know our calling. We know that there are people that are trying to interfere with that calling. We know we need to draw a line in the sand. What now? few things I want you to understand real quick. I want you to have an understanding of this truth. That the relationships you have are a combination of what you've created and allowed. Any relationship that you do not like, you are not a victim of, you are a volunteer in that relationship. And the better you understand that, the better you understand that the relationships you have are things that you've purposely manifested, are things that you've passively allowed to flourish, the better you can take action. Because the other thing we need to know, once we have that understanding, is that if you don't like what you have, change what you expect and what you accept. This is what Jesus did in this moment with Peter. This is what we need to do in the relationships that we have with other people. And can I be the first person to let you know? Because I know sometimes we can get you gassed up here and then you leave and then you do it and then it, it don't work out. Let me be the first one to tell you that if you decide to take this home, you're going to have some challenging conversations. You're going to have some people flare up and get mad and give you the silent treatment, pout, all the things that I said before. 
But that's because, like Proverbs mentions, you're gonna get the you're gonna get those that have been controlling you out, and you're gonna build a wall to be sure that the right things come in. So some of you need to go home today, and when something happens, you need to be bold enough to say, you know what, I love you, I respect you, but you're not going to talk to me that way. Hey, listen, I know I've, I've tolerated this in the past, and I know it feels like I'm changing up, but that's not how this relationship is going to go anymore. I don't like that. I don't think that's appropriate. Hey, listen, uh, I know we've gone through some rough patches, but you're not going to use the divorce word in this house as a way to threaten me. Hey, listen, I get why you're upset. I understand these things, but at the same time, I'm not bailing you out. This is on you to figure out. That's difficult, but it's necessary. And even though this moment that happened with Jesus not too long ago with Peter was definitely awkward, I'm sure that it was very silent at dinner later on. Peter never spoke to Jesus like that again, recorded in scriptures. The relationship was healthier and better for it. And great news, they remained close, even closer than they were before because they had this conversation. And I believe that's the same thing for us too when we take advantage of that. You know, truth be told, this is things that we do with children all the time. Many of us have had a moment where we've had a toddler or a young child in a store and they freak out because they want candy and we say, no, that's not what we're doing. We're not gonna allow that in here. And sometimes they'll throw a fit, they'll pout, but we still hold firm unless they're going for like 20 minutes and now everybody's looking at us and we're starting to feel the pressure and then we give them the candy. That's unless, of course, you're someone like my parents um, who are old school and uh, not from the United States, so they had no problem being sure that the coast was clear and then lovingly but firmingly letting me know that this behavior will not be tolerated and that there will be some consequences privately. That's, I don't know if people still do that anymore. That's just the way I was raised. I'm just letting you know. But before we finish, I want to change things up real quick. We've spent so much time talking about how do we handle controlling people in our lives. But in the moments that I have left, I want to talk to you if you're the controlling person. If you're the individual in here that's been hurt, that's been living in fear because of things happening in the world, and you're way of dealing with it, maybe insecurity, but your way of dealing with it has been trying to control everything in your life. You know, there's some people in here right now where you might be in church as a way to think that you can manipulate God into doing what it is that you want him to do. There may be even some other people in here that are having a silent treatment with God because they thought God owed them something and he did not show up the way that they thought. Maybe that's you in here today. I know that that's me. But can I give you something very challenging, but I believe will be also healing? You know, at the time that I'm preaching this, less than a week ago, we found out the tragic news that uh, NBA legend Kobe Bryant, along with uh, his daughter and 
six other members uh, on a helicopter ride lost their lives, tragically. And I remember my wife told me, she was the first person to find, find out about it. She told me that Kobe Bryant passed away. And I said, no, that's not true. That's fake. That's impossible. And I think the reason why I felt that way and the reason why many of you also feel that way, felt that way when you heard the news, is because that just doesn't seem like it's going according to plan. That just seems like that's not supposed to happen. But it reminds us brutally once again that it doesn't matter how much money that we have. It doesn't matter how much success we have in this world. There is little we can genuinely guarantee ourselves. There is little that we have true control over. And I believe that God was just upset about this passing as we were. But I also believe that we serve a God that is the author and finisher of our faith. And those things happen, things will happen in our lives that we don't have control over, that will shock us, that will hurt us. We still have a God that will work all things out in the end. So can I encourage you with this truth today? That if you are a control freak, then you need to let go and let God. It doesn't matter how much you try to manipulate and control your spouse, your kids, other people around you. You cannot be a better God than God is. So you can try to threaten and guilt your spouse, but at the end of the day, you can't change your spouse. But I got great news, God can. You can be the most hovering helicopter parent on the planet, but you still do not have full control over your child's future. But I got great news, God is always in control. You may try to manipulate and threaten and do everything, twist the arms of certain people in order to deliver someone you care from addiction or some other type of struggle, but you don't have the power. But can I let you know that there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And through the power of Jesus Christ, there is salvation. Through the power of Jesus Christ, there is deliverance. Through the power of Jesus Christ, there is newness of life. And that comes from him and him alone. So what I want to pray for right now is for every person dealing with a controlling person and those in here that are willing to admit that I am that controlling person. Let's pray right now. God, we love you and we thank you. And Lord, we know that you're in control, that your ways are better than our ways and they're also higher than our ways, so sometimes it's difficult to understand. But no matter what, I pray today that we know the calling that it is that you've placed on us. Reveal that to us now if we don't know it already. Lord, that you show us the people that maybe even though they have good intentions are trying to control us and are getting in the way of what it is that you've called us to do. And that, Jesus, that you give us the boldness and the courage to be able to say, no, I love you. And if you want to have a loving relationship with me, then this is the way that we need to have it. We need to have these boundaries. And God, for myself and for everybody in here, 
I pray that they also will let go and trust in you in everything in their life. And in the last moments we have together, just real quick, maybe you're somebody in here and you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You've been someone that says, you know what? Uh, after hearing this, I realized I've been trying to control my life and I've been making a mess of things. Can I let you know that God is willing to take you today? God is willing to have his way in your life. Scripture says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I just want you to pray this prayer with me. It's simple. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. I let go the need of being in control. And I allow you to take the wheel. Thank you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.